what's up you guys and welcome back to the televised podcast my name is anna and today we're going to be talking about how netflix became the place where good shows go to die (laughs) this is another one of those kind of heavily scripted episodes so i do hope you enjoy it's a little bit shorter than usual uh i hope that's okay but uh yeah let's go at this point Netflix has become the staple for online streaming, whether that is movies, TV shows, original content, stuff from other channels, Netflix has it all. Netflix was also the first to have original content on their platform exclusively online. With the rise of Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, the reputation of Netflix and their prestigious originals preceded them. Over the past couple of years, there's been a huge trend happening on the platform. Netflix is buying and producing more original content than ever before. Because of this, every month or so, I'll get a notification on my phone from Netflix saying they're adding 50 plus new titles coming soon. If you're privy to these notifications, you'll notice that only certain shows get mentioned by name in them, and these types of shows follow another trend happening on the platform. If your show or movie isn't one of their blockbuster pieces of content, you're on your own. This episode will take a deep dive into how Netflix operates now, which content they push and which content they cancel, and how people are starting to get fed up. First of all, let's start with how Netflix operates. To know how they truly work now, we have to go back to the beginning. Netflix originally was a service that would send you DVDs in the mail with a monthly allowance of how many you could request for your subscription. Everyone remembers those commercials with the beaver, right? Oh, hello. I'd like to tell you about Netflix. Anyway, after that, Netflix became an online streaming platform, pretty much being the first of its kind. They were the first to syndicate so many shows into one convenient place, and people took notice. Netflix saw huge subscriber increases from 2007 to 2013, which would be their first six years of having streaming available online. In 2013, Netflix released House of Cards and then Orange is the New Black. Netflix had 44 million subscribers by the end of 2013. By April of 2014, they'd already jumped to 50 million. The success of these shows was absolutely undeniable. Everyone and their mother was talking about Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, especially because people weren't used to having premium content so readily available to them at such a low price and bundled with all their other favorite shows from cable networks and broadcast. Back then in 2013, Netflix had only a few original shows coming out a year. Now, Netflix releases multiple new scripted series every single month. Last year, in 2019, Netflix put out almost 400 original shows and movies onto their platform. To put that into perspective a bit, the entire television industry as a whole put out 290 original shows in 2005. Netflix has become a machine when it comes to content. They churn out and buy as much as they can and hope something sticks. At least, that's what it may seem like on the surface. In reality, Netflix, while releasing these 400 original shows and movies, a number that will probably be even higher by the end of this year, picks out a select few they want to succeed. There is a method for which shows you see advertised and which ones you don't. There's a reason for the shows seemingly lost in the sea of releases. There's a true craft behind letting certain content succeed while letting the rest fail. It's Netflix's new model, and it's one that has many fans, artists, and creators extremely angry. Lately, you may have been getting a lot of ads for Netflix's original show, The Crown, which has been a Netflix staple about the royal family for the past few years. Lately, you may have seen ads for Hillbilly Elegy, a movie Netflix is debuting later this month starring Amy Adams and directed by Ron Howard. 
When the Umbrella Academy season 2 premiered, there was no escaping the onslaught of ads about that show. When you think about it, there seems to be a big Netflix blockbuster for every month of the year, each month having one movie and one show they push endlessly. It seems that they pick their big thing and then decide to put all their marketing budget for the month towards that, letting the other originals they're putting out that month get swallowed whole by the massive back catalog of content on the platform. This episode was inspired by the last straw that the cancellation of Teenage Bounty Hunters felt like. So let's talk about the month of August. For August, Netflix's big blockbuster show was Lucifer. Lucifer was a show they saved from a cancellation by Fox in 2018 and has been a really popular addition to their already stacked lineup of original content. Netflix heavily promoted Lucifer leading up to their August 21st release date with a huge trailer drop, which currently has over 12 million views on YouTube, fully loaded in a tweet with custom hashtag emojis of Lucifer himself. This massive rollout for Lucifer didn't leave much room for anything else that got dropped on the platform at the time, which included Teenage Bounty Hunters, dropping on August 14th with very little noise. In fact, I didn't even hear about the show until September, a month after the actual release, and that was only from fans on Twitter trying to spread the the word about it. This is where Netflix absolutely fails its originals that aren't these huge blockbusters. Despite having relatively no promotion, Teenage Bounty Hunters managed to stay in the top 10 of Netflix for the first 21 days and managed to hold its own against heavy hitters like The Office with comparable streaming hours. But just imagine if Netflix had given it even just a little bit of a chance. It could have been huge, especially among audiences who love the other Netflix original hit, Sex Education. Coincidentally, Sex Education was one of Netflix's big blockbuster shows, releasing in January of this year. With huge names like Gillian Anderson and Asa Butterfield, it's no mystery why the show got the star treatment from Netflix. That seems to be the pattern here. Big budget programs, whether it be movies or shows, featuring at least one big name actor, which then leads to huge social media pushes and ad campaigns. Shows like Teenage Bounty Hunters, with a vast majority of their cast being newcomers or just less established than the likes of Henry Cavill and Gillian Anderson, are left to fend for themselves, even though they're the types of shows that desperately need the promotion. Second seasons of shows like Sex Education and Umbrella Academy would do well no matter what, with word of mouth spreading on those shows like Wildfire on social media. And the highly anticipated fifth season of Lucifer surely didn't need as much push as it got, with a passionate and dedicated fan base to keep it trending at number one for sure. I'm not saying that they don't deserve the promotion or that they don't need any at all, but these names are so established that they become household at this point. They genuinely don't need a heavy-handed push because everyone is already paying attention. But for a brand new show like Teenage Bounty Hunters, people aren't looking out for it. I know I'm focusing a lot on Teenage Bounty Hunters, but this isn't the only show that's been absolutely lost in the Netflix shuffle, and it certainly won't be the last. In 2019, a show called Soundtrack got dropped on Netflix as a new original. The showrunner, Joshua Safran, who is best known for Gossip Girl and Quantico, tweeted after the show got canceled that he, quote, personally feels like it never came out, and said that it, quote, all but disappeared on Netflix after release. It's not fair for Netflix to decide before a show can even drop whether it will be successful or not. It's not fair to the showrunners who take chances on Netflix with their concepts when there are so many other services out there looking for more content than ever before. The canceling of Teenage Bounty Hunters came on the same day that Netflix announced Glow would not be returning either, despite getting renewed for a fourth and final season. Netflix decided that due to COVID and restrictions and regulations, it wouldn't be worth it to continue with the final season, despite The Witcher currently being in production, as well as many other Netflix smash hits. 
the wave of cancellations seems to hit a specific type of program. It's not only the smaller shows that are generally in danger of getting the axe, but there seems to be a pattern of Netflix canceling specifically women or LGBT-friendly slash centered content. The sacrifices that have been made due to COVID so far have been Glow, The Society, and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, all shows who heavily feature the stories of women and LGBT people. Shows like The Witcher, which is led by a man and features no LGBT representation, and movies like The Kissing Booth and After, which are heterosexual wet dream movies, have not been touched, and they won't be. Because those stories are the kinds that Netflix clearly values. The stories of Sabrina Spellman, The Women of Glow, The Wesley Twins, and so many others just aren't what they want to make content of, apparently, and it's extremely discouraging. Especially during a time where other streamers like Hulu, Apple TV+, Amazon, and so many others are capitalizing on female and LGBT-centered storylines and creating smash hits out of them. For example, a show that reminds me a lot of, t of Teenage Bounty Hunters is Dickinson, which is Apple TV Plus's original series about Emily Dickinson from the mind of Elena Smith, who poured 10 years of her life into researching Emily for the show and has led the show to be the first Apple TV Plus series to make it to season 3. Dickinson and Teenage Bounty Hunters are similar in their quirky storytelling, comedic edge, and complex female characters, as well as deep and meaningful LGBT storytelling. The main difference here is that Apple TV Plus believed in Dickinson from the beginning and marketed the hell out of it. It has become something of a cult program and has amassed both a fan following online, but also just a lot of enamored casual viewers. Had Teenage Bounty Hunters gotten the same treatment, I feel like it would have had the exact same success. The success the show had, despite the lack of promotion or general care from Netflix, proves that. If given the chance, this show could have been a cult series with a dedicated fan base that would follow it for years. It should have been given the chance to thrive. It's not only Apple TV Plus doing wonders for female storytelling, as mentioned earlier, with other streamers like Amazon seeing massive success with Fleabag, Hulu seeing massive numbers for Shrill and Pen15, and so many others pushing their female content directly out of the gate. While streamers seem to be surging into the future, Netflix feels like it's falling into the past. Earlier, I mentioned LGBT content, but focused more on the female stories that were Netflix feels aren't as important on their platform and talked about other streamers that are actually pushing those stories directly out of the gate. Now, I would like to talk about LGBT content on Netflix and why people have come up with the nickname Netflix. There have been many shows that Netflix has canceled over the years that have been LGBT shows, and as the years go on, the numbers seem to just get exponentially higher and higher. Some ones that people still mention to this day are Gypsy, which is a horrible title, just so we're clear, Sense8, Everything Sucks, which is a show I wasn't fond of, but that's again beside the point, I'm Not Okay With This, The Society, Glow, One Day at a Time, which was saved by Pop TV, but it might actually be in jeopardy being canceled again, uh, AG and the Queen, The Get Down, Jessica Jones, The Lawyer Lady Was Gay, so it counts, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I'm still mad about, Degrassi, Next Class, and most recently, Teenage Bounty Hunters. These aren't all the LGBT shows that Netflix has canceled, but they are the most popular ones and had caused quite an uproar online about their cancellation. Obviously, there's a much longer list of straight shows that Netflix has canceled, but there's more straight content to begin with. 
that's the whole thing. We get less shows and most of them get canceled anyway, so it's so hard to lose these shows because they each provide pivotal representation for those that need it. And with such little content created for us, it's easy to get attached to what little we have and it's easy to hurt when that gets taken away. You might say to me now, but wait... What about Warrior Nun? And to that, I would respond by saying that Warrior Nun was renewed and saw a lot of success on the platform, but Avatrice isn't actually canon. Beatrix might have come out, but she's a devout nun who I can't see actually doing anything with her potential feelings for Ava. Their LGBT rep is very watered down and sanitized and doesn't exactly inspire hope for Netflix if that is their best foot forward in terms of positive LGBT representation. At this point, fans are mad, and rightfully so. There's only two things that could change Netflix's current trajectory and current reputation. One would be to simply just add LGBT characters to their blockbuster programming, or make blockbuster programming that tells female stories. By doing this, there would still be so many shows lost in the shuffle of it all, and so many shows never given a chance, but at least it would diversify their programming and hopefully make some of the LGBT female content uh, actually last on their site. A great example of them already doing this is The Haunting of Bly Manor. The season featured many female characters that were well-rounded and wonderful, as well as a central lesbian love story. Also on the Umbrella Academy, which I had mentioned earlier, Ellen Page plays a lesbian on the show, and a Quite a few other Netflix originals have have included LGBT characters like Stranger Things and um, Sex Education, but it still feels not whole. <laughs> the other thing would be to simply change their business model. If they don't believe in a show, they don't have to pick it up. Let another streamer take a chance on a really great show if Netflix isn't going to bother to promote it once they've got it done and ready to go. Simply release less content. There's no way anyone would ever be able to watch everything Netflix has to offer, especially in their originals category, which has gotten incredibly bloated since it first began in 2013. And it is simply harmful to certain shows to get shoved to the back of that list when they deserve better than that. I once saw someone say online that Netflix treats first seasons how regular networks treat pilots. With a television pilot, they normally film that first episode, it gets sent to the network, someone like CBS or ABC, and the network then decides, based on that episode, whether to pick it up or not. For Netflix, it seems that they allow an entire season to be made of a show before they decide if they want to keep it or not. This is incredibly unfair to the creators who don't seem to be fully aware of how season one is just a test run and that Netflix doesn't believe in them at all. If anything, if Netflix is going to continue to operate this, like this, they should allow for two separate endings to be filmed of a quote pilot season. That way, if they watch through the whole season and decide they don't believe in it or they don't like it, then they could just tack on the wrapped up ending and call it a limited series. If they find that it's something they want to invest in for years to come, then they can air it with the ending with the cliffhanger. Or just offer to make limited series in the first place. Especially with a show like Teenage Bounty Hunters, where the ending hinged on this huge cliffhanger of finding out that Sterling and Blair are not actually twins, that they're cousins, and, and all of these crazy, crazy, like, loose ends still yet to be tied up, it's incredibly unfair for Netflix to have just decided that it wasn't worth it to keep telling this story and leave 
many, many fans just hanging on whether or not any of their questions would be answered, especially in regards to all of these characters they've really grown to love over the time that, that the show has been out. Either way, something fundamentally at Netflix has to change. Audiences won't stand for it. I've already seen a bunch of upset tweets from fans of Teenage Bounty Hunters canceling their Netflix subscriptions, and I can only see this happening more and more in the future, especially as the options for streamers continue to expand. Why would LGBT and female fans who want to see their stories told subscribe to a streamer that doesn't give them the time of day? They would rather take their money elsewhere, Prime, Apple TV+, Hulu, etc., than waste it on a streamer that is only going to push their one big show and one big movie every month. The same thing goes for LGBT and female creators too. You burn these bridges by spitting in the faces of people who worked hard on incredible TV shows only to be thrown to the wolves and you're going to see the consequences. Maddie Phillips, Devin Hales, and Angelica Fellini, all part of the TBH cast, have already been online shading Netflix with Hales even saying that the show is probably being talked about more in cancellation than it ever was after release. These actresses see how Netflix basically left it up to them, the rest of the cast, and any fans who cared to spread the word about the show to help it get views and to hopefully get it renewed. And I don't think they ever want to be treated that way again. And who could blame them? Netflix comes in with big promises and puts stars in your eyes, citing Stranger Things and The Witcher and Sex Education as their massive successes, but what they don't tell you is that they only fulfill promises if you meet the right criteria. That criteria being major star, big budget, and crossover appeal. If your show is quirky little teenage bounty hunters with enough heart to outsell Stranger Things ten times over, and with enough nuance to run circles around The Witcher, you just don't make the cut. Netflix is killing middle-of-the-road television. It's like indie movies, except this is indie television, and Netflix is coming in with its big temple machine and slaughtering it all, leaving us to sift through the carnage. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you like this episode, be sure to like, share, rate, subscribe, do all the things. Um, I will link down below a petition to save Teenage Bounty Hunters. I will also put a link to the website, Save Teenage Bounty Hunters. I think it's saveteenagebountyhunters.com. I'll put it in the description though. And please, if you can, I've been sending Sour Patch to different networks because I genuinely feel so uh, upset about the show and I actually I did a whole entire extensive review of Teenage Bounty Hunters a couple episodes ago if you want to listen to it um, I could link that too but um, yeah if you could if you really feel passionately about the show and you can participate in some of the um, Something Sour Patch campaigns that would be really cool I know I have been um, and yeah I just I think one thing that I do want to say is that Netflix itself is a business, which I know that we all don't like to think of these things as like business transactions, but it is a business. And really, the only way to make change in a business or in, you know, some kind of as a consumer, how to make change with a uh, company who you're consuming the content of is to use your wallet is to cancel your Netflix subscription is to or you know just threaten to do that or <laughs> you know send them angry emails and like and angry letters with Sour Patch because 
the only thing that, you know, the, the thing that we as the consumer can do is hurt them financially. <laughs> and that's how it works, you know, for, for everything. But especially for Netflix, like Netflix is extremely concerned about streams and subscribers. So if they lose subscribers and you tell them why, maybe things will change. I don't know. I don't know. I hope they will. But again, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Please, please, please let me know what you think in the comments below or tweet me at TelevisedPod. I've been thinking about this concept for a long time about the blockbuster model that Netflix has been using and I haven't really seen many people talk about it. Like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that noticed, but I just haven't seen many people kind of like put it into words or like, you know, really talk about it much besides people just talking about the cancellations, you know? So, I don't know. Anyway, let me know what you think. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.